1: Hey Mum, come and have a look at this. I've got something to show you. Oh God, what do you want now, Arthur? Go on, read it out. Mummy's Boy with Arthur Hill. A brand new podcast starring Arthur Hill and his mother, Lisa. What the bloody hell is this? I've signed us up to do a podcast. See, this is the contract. Oh, Arthur.
2: It's Mummy's Boy.
1: Mummy's Boy is my new podcast where I head back home each week to catch up with my mum and help bring her into the 21st century. Listen to Mummy's Boy every Wednesday wherever you get
0: your podcasts
2: this is a crowd podcast
0: this episode is sponsored by licky ends sam williams so apparently sam once crossed the arctic circle by
1: dog sled and he's had lunch with the royal family Mm,
0: show off big yourself up sam to be more like sam go to patreon search for joe marler show and grow the show Joe Marler is a big-hearted man and he's got a podcast plan It's the Joe Marler show It's the Joe Marler show oh oh, oh.
1: Um, hello and welcome to our show. I am Joe Marler and this is Tom Fordyce please speak now Tom
0: Hello Joe So I've got an issue this week that I need to flag up early doors. Um, Owing to an unfortunate series of events, I speak to you on a course of very strong painkillers. So I may make absolutely no sense in this episode. I may make more sense than normal, but I'm feeling rather weird. Could you metaphorically hold my hand and lead me through today's episode, please?
1: I will hold every single part of
0: you if that's what you need me to do.
1: And <laughs> I'm flabbergasted that you've had to flag up that you're worried you might end up talking nonsense <laughs> on this really serious, uh, factual podcast that we do. And did, wh- why exactly are you high on Valium?
0: Caught, have you ever had sciatica, Joe? Sciatica. sciatica? I mean, your head gets squashed into your shoulders on a weekly basis, so I feel slightly wrong Complaining of any form of pain.
1: I'm worried that you you wouldn't do very well in this subject of tree surgery. Then, with your current dilemma,
0: I think at the moment it would probably be illegal for me to be in charge of a chainsaw thirty feet above the ground hacking away at things. Because we're speaking to a tree surgeon today, Joe. Have you got tree facts? Do you have tree facts to hand ahead of today's episode?
1: I do actually. I do love trees. I like wandering in acres of trees, also known as woods with dogs mine not other people's and children mine also not other people's so yeah in preparation for this episode tom i did some tree search get
0: it i like it very very nice you like that one maybe just end the podcast here because we're not going to improve on tree search we ain't getting better than that are we um thanks for joining us patreon subscribers were the same as last time we'll see you next time tom it's really
1: really hard to overstate the importance of trees, well, is it? It's, it's, it's tell hard me more. to that because they debuted or debuted over three hundred million years ago.
0: Hang on, are you claiming that something in nature debuts?
1: Yeah, it debuted. Well, it might, well why not? It debuted. It it just turned up and made its first appearance three hundred million, <laughs> million years ago. That counts. That's the definition
0: of a debut. Do you ever worry you've been in sport for too long? <laughs> The tree has debuted three hundred million years ago.
1: Also, that means that trees have only been about ten percent of the history of the Earth. What? Work what, that one out. What
0: was there before? Well, there, there wasn't trees before that. But it though. was just what grasslands or.
1: Well, I don't know, do I? Because I haven't got a time machine, and I'm Googled shit like this, and they don't go back past three hundred million
0: years. I like the idea when you say a tree debuted that just a load of trees arrived fully formed. There was no sort of like small nascent little proto tree that over the course of, say, 50 million years, gradually became the trees that we know today. That just one minute it's grassland slash ice we don't know, and the next minute... Fuck, you know, what are these things?
1: Tom, answer this. How many trees do you think there are on this planet?
0: What's my margin of error? To the nearest 1000000 I would say my first smart-ass answer, Joe, is not enough trees. My second more sensible answer would be, I think there are 1.8 billion trees.
1: Awful. Absolutely awful. What? There's 3 trillion trees currently in existence on this planet. 3 trillion trees. 3 trillion trees. 3 trillion trees. How can they be so sure? That's what it says on treehugger.com. And... If you don't know trees, you can't call yourself a treehugger.com, can you? And with that, how many species do you think there are, Tom?
0: Species of trees across the globe. Uh, You've got your big hitters, you've got your oaks, you've got your sycamores, you've got your pines. I would say there are 482.
1: You somehow managed to come across incredibly smug by naming four different types of trees, (laughs) like the big... The big hitters, (laughs) and then came out with 480... What was it? 487?
0: 472.
1: Okay, you're about uh, 59,000 short. What? Earth has more than 60,000 known tree species. Serious? Would you say species or species?
0: I am a species man.
1: Species. Species species you know when you say a word over and over and then you go oh fuck is species species it loses
0: all sense of what it originally meant it just becomes a weird sound coming out of your mouth this next one blows my
1: bloody swede off by swede i mean head steve was worried there more than half of all tree species or species exist only in a single country i don't even know what that that sentence said like means what does that mean
0: I'm taking that to mean that basically we need Brazil to stop chopping down the rainforest.
1: And there's something to do like palm olive, palm trees.
0: I mean, this is a very big topic we're getting into here, Joe, uh, and perhaps one which is best addressed to the expert we'll be speaking to shortly. Joe, I've got, I've got another bit of news before we start talking about trees. Mm. We have had an unusual offer of a guest on the podcast. Mm. She is a dominatrix. Pardon? The lady in question is a dominatrix. She does tricks where she dominates. You want to interview a dominatrix? Not, I don't think we should tie ourselves up in knots about this. Oh, Either... good,
1: good, because that's what they do. <laughs> they tie people up in knots and then they stuff apples in their mouth and they somehow engage in all sorts of stuff, including something called pegging. I've no idea what that is, but I think we should definitely... If it's legit and they've got some good stories, like... They've got a bit about them. Well, they've obviously got a bit about them, but I don't want it to get into like some sort of like weird CD episode where, like, you know, how you often come up with different scenarios. I just don't know how, how well it'll go down if, like, Daisy walks in on the recording of the episode and I'm, I'm pretty, oh, so if I pretend to have my mouth shut. And then you turn the electric niffle tassels on. Um, And she's like, what the fuck
0: are you doing?
1: I don't know how I'm going to
0: explain that one to her. I just think we need to whip up some support for this podcast.
1: And You've got to stop it. Might, stop
0: what? it. <laughs> Behave yourself. Here's a question for you. If we were to get a dominatrix on mm. um, and you had to choose a safe word, what would your safe word be? Satsuma. <laughs> We did have another guest lined up. Um, This is very sad news, actually, Joe, because we had a postman lined up and Steve bigged up the postman to the extent that I thought the postman would be the greatest guest that we'd ever have. Mm. Uh, I thought they'd be a first-class guest. Mm. It enables us to really push the envelope with the show. I'm sick of Um,
1: you. I am sick of you.
0: Sick of it. (laughs) But unfortunately, all those hopes have been stamped out because the postmaster in question has been banned from coming on The Joe Marler Show by his boss.
1: I'm not doing this anymore if he continues.
0: Unfortunately, we won't be able to push the envelope on this show and have a postman on.
1: Okay, aside from me just letting you get away with <laughs> all those gags, I'm really gutted. But there's part of me that maybe I was my standards were too high. I just keep envisaging wanting to get a postman like the postman off of Afterlife, who just is brilliant. He's played by Joe Wilkinson. In fact, can we just get Joe Wilkinson to come on and pretend to be Pat, the postman he plays? I don't know if you... Have you seen it, Tom? Have you seen Afterlife?
0: Have you noticed from my blank expression that I haven't got a clue what you're talking about?
1: Sorry. Anyway, there's this one scene in it, and I will describe it to you because it's one of my favourites, where the postman knocks on uh, Ricky Gervais's door and he says, Hello, mate, here's your post. He's like, Cheers, thanks. He said, Oh, can I use your loo? And he's like, What? What do you mean, can I use your your bathroom? He was like, yeah, I just need to use your bathroom. He said, cool, yeah, come in. Ricky Gervais goes off, makes his breakfast. It goes on a bit like 10, 15 minutes. He's like, oh, my God, what's he up to? Maybe he's having a long old poo or something like that. He goes up there. The postman's completely stripped off and filled a bath, and he's in the bath, (laughs) just scrubbing himself down. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? He said, you said I could use your bathroom. I love that a lot, actually, because that reminds me of when Johnny May did that to Charlie Sharples, his Gloucester teammate. Somehow snuck a house key of his and ran himself a bath upstairs in his house. Charlie got home, felt a bit weird, like, what's going on? Something's weird. There sounds like someone's upstairs, gets upstairs. Johnny May's in his bath.
0: Had Johnny May locked the door of the bathroom?
1: Oh, I don't know the details, mate. Don't quiz me on that. Don't let a bit of spice get in the way of a good curry.
0: The thing is, though, the stories that you hear about Johnny May, that's almost an ordinary day for Johnny May.
1: I think Johnny May's got a little bit of a bad rap, actually. Too many people make out that he's some sort of crazy chicken noise-making Fruit Loop. He's not. He's one of the most dedicated rugby players you'll ever come across who... Is just phenomenal at what he does. Very serious and takes his job very seriously. So I think he's got a bit of a weird reputation like that because he's not as weird as people make out. Although barfing in someone else's house without their permission would suggest otherwise.
0: You have contradicted yourself massively there. His try against the All Blacks at Twickenham when he's done Corey Jane on the outside was an absolute joy. But it's one thing I know is a fact.
1: It's phenomenal. It's one of the best tries ever scored at Twickenham. It's his celebration that is even better in fact his celebrations in general he just completely loses his mind even when the boys win a scrum penalty or something he cheers like he's Lebron James
0: I mean to be fair the one he scored against France at the Stade de France a couple of years ago that was a beauty
1: no idea no idea what is this show what <laughs> enjoy doing great johnny may tries i was literally gonna pick that up steve and go are we just fucking gonna roll off any i don't even remember that are we just gonna roll off every single johnny may try
0: he scored 30 odd
1: yeah let's do let's do 25 then of the
0: 30 at 25 in johnny may's best tries for england joe we have
1: (laughs) right so the new format change tom was an accident um where we just rambled on and on and on before we got a guest on but people have actually given some good feedback saying they enjoyed it one of those persons slash peoples was my wife who said oh you seem to talk that little bit more with tom at the start of uh the medium episode didn't you i was like yeah she was like i liked it i found tom really funny actually um it's quite nice to see you two hear you two getting on so well i was like thanks days yeah,
0: nice. i'll feed that back in you came under some heat, though, Joe, for your milk before hot water tea bag scenario. Any reflections?
1: Yeah. Again, I'll reference Daisy. She went, I knew you were going to get shit for that. <laughs> I said, what do you mean you knew? She said, I knew the people would kick off. I knew it. I knew it. I went, "All right, Mystic Meg. I was like, why did you know they were going to kick off? She was like, well, because people prefer it to put the hot water in first so that you let the tea brew and it, it's stronger. I went, well, it's bullshit. How good does my tea taste, days? And she goes, yeah, your tea tastes good. I said, exactly. You tell the world that. She said, I don't think my 51 Instagram followers really give a <laughs> shit about how you make your tea, Joe. I went, yeah, good point. Thanks, days.
0: Did you know, by the way, I found out something interesting the other day. Are you familiar with the tea cosy? Yeah, they
1: like a sleeping bag for a pot of tea.
0: Yeah. Apparently, yeah. that makes absolutely no difference to how long the tea inside stays warm says who says a tweet from qi and i happen to believe everything they say i don't know why joe science isn't my game but i would hazard a guess that the a little bit of knitting does absolutely fuck all compared to a nice thick bit of glazed ceramic yeah
1: tea cozies i think are better used for when you kidnap people and you don't want them to see where you're taking them so you just put a tea cosy on the head before then collecting the ransom and then releasing them unharmed. That's I think that's the best way to use a tea cosy.
0: Okay, <laughs> great. Uh, well, let's have some adverts and then a guest. Thank you, Joe. On Joe Marler's show. Beneath the veneer of the everyday
1: lurks the realm of the spy. From Wondery, I'm Raza Jaffrey.
0: This is The Spy Who. The podcast exploring true spy stories you were never meant to hear. With secret operatives playing to very different rules. We'll reveal the invisible work of the world's intelligence services. Unearthing daring missions packed with danger, deceit and double crosses. Follow The Spy Who wherever you listen to podcasts. It's time to thank our official sponsors on Patreon. Beginning with... Four Minute... Miles Bannister. Rye Rye, Miss American,
1: Rye, Steve Riley. Get it?
0: The lucksmith.
1: that's Jordan Blaylock. The wily Old Fox, Dave Wiley. Mighty,
0: Alex Myatt. Where there's a will, there's a way. Matt Williams. She's electric. I'm referring to Charlotte Watts.
2: Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. <laughs> Josh
0: Buckley <laughs> and the Griffo. That's Matt. To be more like Miles, Steve, Jordan, Dave, Alex, Matt, Charlotte, Josh, and Matt, go to Patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show, and grow the show.
1: Tommy, you ready? Gareth, are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah. Yes. You will go got my first whistle. Hey contestant number two, you got my second whistle. And our guest today is a tree surgeon, and I don't know why I'm talking like the bloke off of fucking gladiators. What was his name? John? John Anderson. John Anderson! Yell gone, my fuss whistle. Hello, our guest today is a tree surgeon. His name is Gareth. Hello, Gareth! This isn't my actual name, my voice. Hello, Gareth. How are you, mate? Am I right,
0: Joe? Yourself? Yeah, very good, thank you. You have got the sort of beard that I would expect and hope a tree surgeon to have.
2: Yeah, well, it's um, part of the, the lockdown, and also a bit of a hairy protest um, against the wife. She hates it, so um... <laughs>
0: does she do her own hairy protest?
2: <laughs> <laughs> For Christ's sake, Tom! It's been a while since I've checked that out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> what a fucking way to start! Brilliant.
2: We can get <laughs> we can get a lot darker. Don't worry about that. You've ruined it again. <laughs> it's fine um so
1: aside from being a stereotypical looking lumberjack
2: I am okay as well
1: <laughs> when was when was the first time you used a uh, a chainsaw
2: it was quite a sort of young age um my dad had a tree surgery business he worked up in the woodlands up in Scotland basically there was always chainsaws so knocking around the house so we used to cut it up for firewood and split logs for the fire from about the age of five so I've always been out working. I wouldn't say I used a chainsaw at the age of five, that's probably a little bit too young, but <laughs> um I'd say early early teens. Early teens.
1: Gareth, what is your favourite tree? Do you have one that you go, oh, yeah, I love a redwood. That's my that's my go to, or silver birch. Like what's your mecca
2: of trees? You can't beat an English oak, obviously, you know, with the heritage of the thing, but I really like cedar trees. If you rub your back up on it, it's got a lovely bark, which will um, <laughs> just solve, solve your just
1: picturing it. you like Baloo in the middle of a wood. <laughs> and you just start scratching
2: your back up against this cedar tree. That's probably quite a good picture, to be honest with you, Joe. Not, <laughs> not only my back as well, you know, sometimes, sometimes <laughs> under the armpit. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, okay.
1: They are actually, most woods in that are quite famous for those sort of sites anyway, that are related to a certain animal um, that is domesticated and it's not a cat. And it ends in (laughs) ing, so. uh, (laughs) But that's uh, you know I'm completely down with that. If you're up for it as well, it's illegal, but I'm I'm with you. Um, Tom, do you have a favourite tree, or are you not really that big a tree
0: lover? Oh, I love a tree. Honestly, I'm a massive tree lover. I'm a tree lover to the extent that I a few years ago I joined the Woodland Trust, and there is no happier feeling for me than going for a run through the woods or going for a bike ride through the woods. You just feel calm.
1: What does what does
0: the Woodland Trust mean? Does that
1: mean you can? Adopt a tree or something.
0: It means you just... It's like a, a charity that, that aims to preserve and improve British woodlands because they're under threat, aren't they? There's less and less. There's more and more road building and, and species change due to climate change. HS2 has taken out a load of ancient woodlands. So I just think they're they're such special places. And I don't know if you feel this, Gareth, but you just... You can feel super calm, can't you, in a wood or a forest?
2: If you're walking through woodland and forest, it's the the sound that the trees make when there's a breeze passing through them, or the wildlife, the birds, the squirrels. So if, if you've got an itchy back, you can you can sleep behind a tree in there. It's <laughs> like yourself. I out. love that. so your, that, I that's your you
1: number one draw to going for walking through wood. I can't work out, Gareth. Do you love
2: trees, or do you not? love them because you chop them down all the time we love trees i'd like to say the the sort of first thing that we want to do is to to retain trees chopping them down is part of management and that's that's effectively what a tree surgeon is we're there to manage trees in an urban area whereas a forester is there to fell trees for production timber certainly where i live in Glossop, along the woodhead pass they've been felling the pine trees there that were planted 40 50 years ago and now they're replacing those trees with with birch, with oak into a deciduous woodland because there's more benefits with these more deciduous trees.
0: You've almost answered my next question there, Gareth. Because I was going to say, are you a deciduous man or an evergreen man? Sounds like you're deciduous through and through.
2: Really, yeah, yeah. Um, and also the times of year, you know, in the autumn, the, with the leaves changing colour, you know, there's much prettier, much prettier things. There's nothing nothing nicer than a, a maple in autumn to, when the leaves go red, yellow. And then obviously drop onto the floor and then uh, they hide all the crap that's under them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Joe? What's your favourite tree? (sighs) It's a tough
1: one, Tom. It's a tough one. When we bought this house uh, that I'm living in at the minute, not this house, I'm in a van, but the house next to the van. There was loads of like complicated tree pieces of paper. Look, I didn't really know what a mortgage was, let alone all these like tree protective certificates that were given to me. And I was like, what do you mean? If I'm buying this house, surely I can decide whether I can chop that tree down or not. And they were like, no, 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 no. It's like grade listed trees or something around me. And they're fucking ginormous. And we've had two, we've actually had two fall. One in the back garden. What's the one with the cones that come off it? Is that a pine, pine tree? Yeah. One of them fell down. And then there's this other one at the front that was dead. But I was like, shouldn't we just leave the dead one like where it is? Because it'd be nice. Like I look at a circle of life type thing. There'd be like all the bugs they can like pick it at all and create a house there. And should we leave dead trees where they are, or should we get rid of them?
2: I'd say in in a woodland, yes, not a problem. But in an urban area where there's there's property, there's people. Um, it's always advisable to to remove the tree. You could leave it at. A height of you know six, eight foot, ten foot, where the tree is going to be safe. Um, so my my answer to that would basically, if the tree is dead, you you do need to remove it. Really,
1: there's better ways of building
2: insect houses. Is there? I'm
1: now going to have to clear up all the dead bits of wood that I've got <laughs> about the place, rather than me saying to my wife, "No, no, that's for the bugs. Yeah, you i know, leave them. <laughs> they're, they're happy living there." In answer to your question, Tom, I'm probably going to go with a a, a sequoia know.
2: Yeah, the they're, they're my go-to,
1: I think. I'm not entirely sure what a sequoia is. Is it a tree? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it... it's one of the
2: one of the it's the redwoods, the big redwoods in California. That they're they they're, they're sequoias.
1: Which leads me on nicely to uh do you know what the biggest tree in the world is, Tom?
2: One would be the giant redwoods,
0: because there's that famous picture, isn't there, of someone like hollowing out the trunk of it and driving a car through it, black and white photo, or Maybe there's massive trees in Western Australia, or is it maybe even Tasmania? And I can't remember what they're called, like carry trees or something like that, which are ginormous.
2: There's huge, yeah. In Australia, there's huge trees up in the, the Blue Mountains. The Kiwi ladder used to work for me. He's out working in Australia now, set up his own business over there. And like he's clearing basically power lines, either removing the trees or pruning back branches that could fall on them. So it's about prevention. Yeah, it's all sort of management. If we didn't cut any trees down whatsoever, you know, they they would take over everywhere. You know, if in an apocalyptic world, wildlife <laughs> would return. I
1: just pictured an army of trees taking over the world. After you've said that, that like Lord of the Rings. That was no Day of the Triffids. What happens in Lord of the Rings? Oh yeah,
0: you get the marching trees, don't you? In, in Lord of the Rings, I've got to be honest, I could never get to. I used to fall asleep in Lord of the Rings. It was I too don't long think for I've me. I've seen it.
1: And back to the uh, biggest tree in the world, the information I've got here is it's called General Sherman. And it is a giant sequoia in California. It is 2,000 years old. It is 83 (gasps) meters tall and it is 1,500 cubic meters in volume. So it's not the tallest tree in the world, but it's the biggest in terms of whole volume because the tallest tree in the world is Hyperion. Hyperion. It's a Hyperion. Well, no, it's called Hyperion, and it's a redwood, and that's also in California, and that is 115 metres tall. What? Big old boy. Jesus Christ. Gareth, can you even imagine climbing up that? Well, I think there's a picture of it
2: um, in the National Geographic, and I think there's, there's something like 20, 30 tree surgeons climbing up it, and they basically look like ants on it. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it's that huge, the tree.
0: How do you get up trees then, Gareth? So the tree surgeon I saw at work the other day, he had a cherry picker, a nice little crane, blah bloody, blah blah But I always thought it's the slightly more romantic version is that the sort of the spiky boots, the rope, the freestyle tree surgeon.
2: Yeah, so if you're not removing a tree, you, you don't climb a tree with spikes on because you, you're going to damage the tree. So the old school way is a rope and harness. You have a couple of long ropes and a short rope that just goes around your waist and you, you basically throw the rope over a branch, pull yourself up to the branch, tie in again, and then throw that rope again higher. So you basically work your way up the tree. I'm guessing you can't be scared of heights then? No, um, I don't think you'd uh, get very far in this this job if you were scared of heights. It's quite funny when, you know, I've started apprentices off working. You can see, right, it's your turn to get up the tree now. So you teach them how to do it, you give them the advice, and off they go, and they'll get up to the first branch. You can see them thinking, how am I going to get down from here? <laughs> It's a pretty tiring job. It's probably one of the most physical jobs that you could possibly do. Um, you know, it's it's constant, pulling yourself up the tree, putting your body in difficult positions, stretching. And that once you've got the tree down and your feet are on the ground, then you've, then you've then got to move everything. And it's, you know, it's it's hard work. It's hard work. I mean, hats off to the lads who, who sort of work for me. I always say, make sure you come home in one piece. Only one bad thing has happened uh, while the lads have been working for me. My mate of mine, he took his thumb off. Yeah. Um getting on for three years ago now so uh and that that was just he, he was unblocking the chipper oh my god made a mistake didn't turn the engine off at the time and uh it literally pulled his thumb out of his socket
1: oh gareth can you hold up your hands for me please oh he's got a full set yeah you've got all your fingers and thumbs
2: uh, well i'm from Glossop, but started off with uh with the seven fingers <laughs> and, and three thumbs so I've, I've, just, I've just i've just got back to uh to where we should be it's trimmed a few off
1: what about any other like dangerous situations
2: you've been in or heard of? You always hear of the bad things that sort of travel around in in this industry. Um, not so long ago, there was a, a local lad. Um, he was knocking a big piece out of a tree, didn't quite get his cuts right in the wrong place, and it came back on him and crushed into him, into his chest and stomach. And I think they, they had to remove a load of his, his bowel, basically. He's still alive. Ugh. From last year, he started back working, but on uh, obviously on light duties. But I th- from what I heard about the story, he was he was rushing. Majority of the time, that is when accidents do happen. It's something that you've got to be very mindful of, and you know you've got to be responsible for yourself while you're up there and the other people on the ground who work who you're working with. Uh,
1: what does a, What does a tree look like? Like we've spoken about how beautiful trees are, and you walk through the woods and how good they smell and how brilliant they are to scratch your back on. What about underground? What what does a tree look like underground? Is it just like a load of roots or
2: the roots are the basically the veins of the tree. You know, trees are living things, so the tree feeds itself from the root system, you know, it's supported by the roots and it feeds itself. So and roots will go and find areas of, of water, moisture. If you think about say like an oak tree will take thousands and thousands of gallons of water out of the ground daily. Um so the general rule is with roots, the root system it's about as wide as the crown. So however wide the tree is, the, the roots will be under the canopy of the of the tree there what about this that i've read that trees communicate
1: with each other are you a believer in this or are you straight up going mate what the fuck are you talking about
2: it depends what you've been smoking the night before <laughs> um but no i'm I'd probably say that they, they, they don't really communicate with each other to be honest with you
1: so there is this controversial german tree scientist who reckons that they do talk to each other and that trees share water and nutrients through their networks, and also communicate. They send distress signals about drought and disease, for example. How the fuck is it? Hello, 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 Tom. I'm a great grand oak, and it I it's a bit windy today, so I would recommend you put your leaves in a little bit. There's no fucking way a tree is talking to another
0: tree. What about the, the Japanese have got this lovely phrase, haven't they? They call it tree bathing. And it's all to do with how good for us it is to spend time around trees. So it's not going all the way towards tree hugging. But it's this idea that you go to the woodland and you just lie on your back and you just look up at the canopy of a tree. And it's some way is good for your for your mental health. It just rebalances you.
1: <laughs> whilst we're on the Japanese subject, what's the crap with Japanese knotweed? Why don't we like Japanese knotweed? Why has it got such a bad rap?
2: It grows that quick. It doesn't give our native floor and fauna a chance to to develop and and spread themselves so you can almost see it growing it grows that quick and like i say it's that invasive it will travel through through the spores and spread very very quickly very damaging to, to houses and foundations they reckon it can force concrete apart and you certainly won't be getting a mortgage with uh with that knocking around your house so let's talk a bit more about the danger
0: have you ever fallen out of a tree
2: gareth i've never fallen out of a tree personally um I've heard a lads falling out of there, and it's just going to be something as simple as not clipping the rope back into the carabiner, and then oh. you're leaning back and just straight down the tree. No, I think I think it certainly put me off if I've fallen out of a tree at any time.
1: What about uh, chopping
2: down a tree and it's falling on someone or something? There's a story when I not long past me my, uh, my chainsaw tickets when I was working for me for my dad. He left me in, in the other lad tank on a job up in Charlesworth. It was huge, huge ash trees. And I thought, oh, we'll, we'll take this tree over in one from here. So put the, the felling cut in it, put the back cut in, and it started to go over. Next thing, a big wind came up the valley and pushed it back. So it was actually leaning on the back of this barn with this gentleman's uh, Land Rover Discovery and some trial bikes in there. So next thing, I, th- I have to get the blower to me dad. Um, he's, off, he's, he's off in the golf course. I brought him all the way back from there, and we managed to get it. We managed to have a rope up the thing and between six of us pull the tree back over. Telephone wires used to be my favourite, but um, that was just a quick call to BT to, to get out and say there's a telephone wire down and make sure you've tied it up and gone before they get there so you don't get charged <laughs> for it.
0: I like the way you phrase that as well. There's a telegraph pole down rather than, lads, I've knocked one down. It's never our fault. <laughs> it's just like it's happened of its own accord.
2: <laughs> it's never our fault. It's unavoidable. Tom,
1: I don't know if you've YouTubed any uh, tree surgeon fails at all, but uh, I have, Um, not just for this pod, but because it fascinates me. Um, But there was this one that scared the fucking life out of me. This bloke's got a body cam on and he's at the top of this tree and I don't know what type of tree it was, but it was covered. It looked like it it was fucking high up and it looked like it was covered in like hessian sack, but it wasn't hessian sack. It was like, I don't know, something that had died and dried out. And he's, he's chopping the top of it. And where it's gotten so hot, it's set on fire, the top of this bit. And <sighs> so he's knocked off that bit. He's chopped that off and knocked it off down onto the floor. He's managed to knock off the bit that was on fire on his chainsaw. And I thought, oh, he'll be all right then. And next thing you see is the bottom of the tree light up. And where it's so dry, <clears> it shoots all the way up the tree. And I'm looking at it like, oh, fuck, this isn't funny anymore. This isn't funny. I watch this and you see people fall off and they crash into cars, trees falling on houses, You go, oh, you have a bit of a laugh and stuff like this. This bloke is up a tree. He's bound in with all the security wires, security ropes and all that lot and it's on fire and I'm going, oh my God, this... I went from, oh, tree surgery will be all right. You know, it's a bit of fun. You get to scratch your backs up against some cedar wood every, every now and then. And you enjoy nature. And next thing you know, it's one of the fucking most dangerous jobs in the world because you're set on fire at the top of... A 50-foot tree?
2: It can be quite scary up there. When I talk about rigging, we're going to be lowering the top of a tree out in one piece. So we've got a pulley at the top of the tree. The rope goes up through the pulley and attaches to the branch. You cut that branch off, and the weight then snatches on the pulley. And the, the whole trunk can move You know, from you know two, three metres. And at that point, that's the bit where you actually wrap your arms around the trunk, shut your eyes, and just hold on for dear life until the ride stops sort of thing. You've got to be quite confident in uh, trust, trusting all your equipment. Basically, in the
0: UK at least, Gareth, is there like a tree surgeon's tree surgeon, the king of the tree surgeon, someone who's just a legend in the game?
2: There's a lot of good climbers around who've been to these tree climbing competitions where they, you know where they see them run up the poles. There's a local lad, Dave Myers. He was he was good at it in his time, but he's sort of uh, quite aged now. It's a young man's game. It's a young man's game, yeah, it absolutely is. You know, my, my elbows are, and knees are absolutely shot from doing this work for years. But yeah, there's there's loads of uh, good tree climbers out there who can sort of make big trees look very, very small. You've got to be quite fit, surely, to be up there. It's got to be knackering
1: climbing up a tree.
2: Yeah, it's a physical job. Why don't, why don't you get yourself up to Manchester, Joe? We'll... we'll I'm sure we'll have a big enough harness for you. Yeah,
1: now we're talking. See, the the trouble with that is um, I'm <laughs> claustrophobic, uh, so I don't like harnesses. And uh, what the other one? How else do I get out of this? Uh, I don't like heights, and I can't swim. Right, okay. Um, <laughs> so
2: I don't think... So what, what are you saying? You've, you've, you've bottled it, have you, Joe? <laughs>
1: A big lad like you—that is basically what I've done. Um, I'm going to give you uh, another question here. Um, can you tell me what the oldest tree in the
2: world is? Oh, that's a tough one. It's a tough one. I'd say it won't be—certainly won't be in this country. Um, so you're probably looking round South America or Africa somewhere like that. You're going to have to help me out on this one, Joe.
1: Yeah, it is called, cool. It's the—I th- I think it's in America again, and it's called the Great. Basin, bristlecone pine. Bristlecone pine. I haven't said it particularly well, but in you to the nearest hundred years, either Tom or Gareth, tell me how old it is.
0: Shall I go Keep, first, Gareth, because you're the expert on this? I, thought you, I um, thought you
2: might do the countdown sort of theme you know, song. <laughs> That's the one. That's the 712 one. years old. Oof. I'll go 3,500.
1: and the winner goes to gareth although you are still Uh 1500 years out this tree apparently is 5000 years old what that is mental 5000 years old that just makes me go like think of the things that have been around that tree like the history that that tree's seen. Well, he hasn't seen anything, or she hasn't seen anything, because it can't.
2: It depends on who it's talking but, or not. Yeah, exactly.
1: Who it's communicating with, or what? What on earth? Like, there's definitely been a T Rex that's gone next to it. I oh, know that was millions of years. You fucking idiot. <laughs> 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 who knows? Jesus might have scratched his back up against that one and gone. Oh, this Possibly. smells nice. This bristlecone pine smells lovely.
0: <laughs> are there any rogue trees like this are the trees that we love in this country that actually are an invasive species and they're not actually part of the natural mix at all
2: um sycamores get a lot of bad press um because it's not a native tree and it's you know it's the ones with the helicopters joe
1: yeah where's where's i was just about to say why do they get a bad rep they've got most fun thing there is to do with a tree what Where, where's <laughs> it from originally then
2: I'm not sure where. It's probably, probably from Europe, to be honest for you, somewhere there. But the, the, it grows very quick at a young age. So with these seeds, when the helicopters, that's how that's how it's basically reseeding itself everywhere. So people in gardens, generally old people, get annoyed by pulling these little small sycamore trees out, up constantly out of the garden. So that's, that's really why they get a bit of bad rep. Um, they drop a lot of sap on people's cars. Um, that's true. They've got a very dense leaf, so... You know, people get excessive shading in the gardens. But you know, again, I I quite like sycamore trees. They're, they're a, a classic shaped tree. You know, lovely, lovely balanced crown.
1: What's not to like, mate? Especially with the helicopters. That's the most. In fact, I want a sycamore. Is there anyone? I'm just looking round. There... In fact, as I look round, I've seen these trees that have really bugged me, just next to my house there, and they've, they they worry me because they're really, really tall. And if they were to fall, they'd definitely fall onto the house. So it scares the life out of me when it gets a bit windy because they're quite, they're thick. So I see them move quite a lot. And I asked a tree surgeon mate of mine, I said, "Yeah, do you think I should get these trees down just in case or at least get them chopped in half or something? And he went, hmm, took a look at it, looked it up and down. And he went, no, you'll be all right, mate. And I went, well, how have you come to that without like properly evaluating? He said, no, don't worry about it. And he licked his finger and he put it in the air. And I went, what are you doing? And he went, you'll be all right, mate. The prevailing wind. I went, what do you mean the prevailing wind? What the fuck is the prevailing wind? He went, well, the wind blows that way. I said, but what if the wind blows the other way, you dickhead? And he went, no, that's the point of the prevailing wind, that it mainly blows that way. So it'll be all right, it'll land on your neighbour's house. I went, oh, fucking hell, they'll make me pay for that as well. So you haven't really given me
2: an answer. Trees get used to the way the, the wind blows most of the time. It's when we get the uh, easterly winds and the storms come in from it from the east, that's when we get a lot of storm-damaged trees. Many years ago, when I first started my my company, I didn't have much on work on, two travelling folk pulled me over in um, a petrol station in Romley. Say, can you come and have a look at this tree for me, in a fine Irish accent. Off I go, look at this tree, worked out a cost for him, End up doing the job for him. I said, it's too windy to cut this now. So no, no, it'll be fine, carry on. I said, you are insured, aren't you? Yeah, of course we're insured. So off I go, I cut the branch, the wind catches the branch, Ends up through the roof of the house. The next thing, it was, uh, it was Bill Roach's house. You know, Ken Barlow off Coronation Whoa. Street come out come out of the thing. <laughs> so these these two, Pete and Pete, soon <laughs> got in the van and pissed off, uh, leaving me to deal with... Uh, to, Ken, <laughs> to, me Ken to bloody with Ken Barlow. Roach. Yeah, yeah, Ken Barlow, yeah.
1: Ken Bar- you've put a hole in Ken Barlow's roof. Brilliant.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I've got a question here, Gareth, something that's bothered me. right? Like every time... Christmas comes around, and I take the kids to the local garden centre to get a Christmas tree. And there's always about seven or eight different options of Christmas trees. So from the perspective of a man who spends all his time with trees, what's my best tree here? Because instinctively, I like to go one with a nice cheeky Christmasy aroma, but the aroma ones seem to be the one that just ditch all their needles within a day of getting them home.
2: The Nordmans, I think, are the, are the most popular um which are generally imported or they've they've been grown in Scotland. I mean, remember one year we worked at a Christmas tree plantation. We just left our own device. I think I spent three hours walking around trying to pick the best tree for myself and uh, a (laughs) few mates, which I I managed to do and get it onto the back of the van. Um, I got it in the house and uh, next thing, uh, I stick it up, put it in the water, start dressing and get the lights on. The missus said, it's moving. I said, (gasps) it's not moving. So I'd actually... uh, Brought back a squirrel as well with me. <laughs> no. Yeah. How big was this tree? <laughs> you see, you certainly filled certainly the front room. She went <laughs> mad. She went mad. Huh? A nice Christmas squirrel. Your missus didn't see it that way. <laughs> no, she definitely didn't see it that way. Although, it, although it's, it, it's still told around the, the Christmas dinner table to this day. Oh, I bet it is. Yeah. Every Christmas, the squirrel
0: story comes out.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going to try my hardest <laughs> next Christmas now to get a fucking tree big enough that holds a squirrel and all sorts in it
2: i said i get this uh one story in um yeah 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 i did, I did a I cut down a tree for me mate actually it's a copper so they went staying at a retreat for a couple of weeks and he asked me to do the tree while i was there it was a pine tree i think it was a christmas tree in fact i left it at six foot and giant carved a six foot penis in it with <laughs> balls the vein a gold. vein the, the, the veins, but I spent more time doing the carving than I did the tree. Um, <laughs> but his, the funniest thing, his mother-in-law lived over the road. <laughs> she didn't know whether to ring him, cry, or what. <laughs> but it, 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 it stood there for, for a couple of weeks before he came back. Um, I obviously <laughs> didn't get paid until I removed the penis from his back garden. Um, but then it, I also, I, I took it home, we, we put it in a local pub. Um, Lovely. We had some good crack. It was last seen uh, disappearing upstairs in <laughs> by the landlady in the Palantine in Hadfield. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what is it, what is it about males that insist on whatever canvas is put in front of us, <laughs> we cannot help ourselves but draw some form of cock? <laughs> It's, it, I just thought it stopped at paper, maybe a, a whiteboard, or maybe a wall, or sometimes in my in the patio when it's too dirty. I'll I'll do a, I'll get the jet wash out and do a load of cocks over the different styles, you know, small, back, big, back thin, of people's fat, cars, back of
2: people's cars, d- d- and, dirty cars, dirty um, vans.
1: I'd really, really like to see your um, penis. Uh, your your uh, now I'm tripping over <laughs> my words. I'd really, really like to see your penis in your tree. Oh, God, that still sounds weird. Say that again, Joe. Try yeah, that again. I would really, really like, see cock? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to have seen you, co- oh, for fuck's sake. I can't word it anyway. I'd love to have seen how
2: you draw cocks, Gareth. I take me time. I take me time to, to make sure it's a good cock, yeah. <laughs> Never rush a cock.
1: I'm glad no. we managed to squeeze that one in. <laughs> oh, God, oh, God. Gareth, thank you so much for coming on, mate. It's been brilliant listening to you. You're welcome. Good lads.
0: I don't know about you, Joe, I very much enjoyed that episode, not least for the following quote: "There was always chainsaws knocking about the house." That was scary, actually.
1: Imagine, I don't know. In fact, she, you might have grown up like this, but I didn't grow up in a house where there was chainsaws just hanging on the wall. No. And the houses that I do think of that do have. Chainsaws just hanging on the wall tend to be owned by Leatherface or um, <laughs> other serial killers.
0: Yeah, I don't know why I chuckled indulgently as you as you brought <laughs> as you brought up the topic of serial killers who kill people with chainsaws. I apologise.
1: Yeah, I I did enjoy that episode. He was very passionate about his trees. I like that a lot. When someone really cares about something, they do.
0: One more quote, Joe, that stood out for me, and that was. I didn't get paid until I removed the penis from his back garden.
1: (laughs) This is what the show is about. It's about getting down (laughs) and dirty and getting in the nitty gritty of what working different jobs... (inaudible) I'm working nine to 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 five... ...really means. And, you know, for people that are wondering... What would working as a tree surgeon be like okay i'll tell you what i'll search tree surgeon um on my podcast app and oh yeah joe marla show that's got about tree surgeons okay next thing you know he didn't get paid until he chopped off the penis ridiculous absolutely (laughs) ridiculous
0: well if you enjoyed the episode as much as joe and i did and you want to support the show search for joe marla show on patreon if you'd like another podcast to listen to try murder in house two It's about a group of U.S. Marines who killed 24 innocent civilians in a town called Haditha in Iraq. Many of the victims were women and children, and this podcast gives you all the details, the fallout, the criminal investigation, and more. Go into your podcast app and search for Murder in House 2. Lovely, Tom. Who's on our next episode, please? Joe, our next episode will feature either a firefighter or a dominatrix